Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here, the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there. Thank you for listening to the Compared to You podcast on the Edify Podcast Network. I am excited and a little nervous about today's topic because... (laughs) My guest has the potential of convicting me. Of, oh, of I see. I love it. Own <laughs> tendency to avoid rest and like to do all the things. Mm. And since it's January and we're in a series where we are talking about spiritual disciplines that are really going to transform your life. Today, we're going to talk about rest. So Alicia Michelle is my guest today. She's an author. She's a Bible teacher. She's a podcaster, and she's a certified neuro coach. She's known as the mindset makeover coach, and she equips Christian women with practical brain and biblically based tools so they can know how to renew their minds in order to overcome toxic thinking patterns. Some of these you may be familiar with, perfectionism, fear, worry, not feeling like you're enough. Sound familiar, anyone? Uh, But Alicia's goal is to help women gain godly confidence. And she has a great podcast called Vibrant Christian Living. And we'll talk all about that at the end. But Alicia, thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, yay. Thank you for having me. I love that this can be an hour of conviction for you too. That cracks me up. You're hilarious, Heather. I crack it. It's awesome. Let's not make it a full hour of conviction. I don't know if I can take that, Alicia. We are going to stay here the full 60 minutes. No, just kidding. Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we've, we've kind of gone back and forth with like, well, what should we talk about today? Yes. yes. And I think where we've landed is going to be a good place because I want to talk about rest. And then you're kind of like, yeah, well, like, what about burnout and all those things? And I'm like, oh yeah. But, but then I've got to like, be real about the fact that I do too much work and too much time. And we're recording this so that you're listening to this in January, but just like brass tacks, real life here, we're recording this in December. And right now I am in this, like, okay, I have a book proposal I'm working on and there's Christmas and there's the book proposal and there's Christmas and okay. I'll take off one week. And I do this like bargaining thing. Like I'll take off one week. Oh no. Okay. I'll take off starting the 19th. I'll take off the 19th to the first. No, that's too long. Cause what if I want to write in that time? Okay. I'll take off the 19th to 26th. And, and I'm like constant. I mean, it's, it's early December and I'm like constantly bargaining, trying to figure out how much time to work, how much time to rest. Yes. Oh and no. It's probably it's totally a problem. Normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think that's totally just the struggle, the real Mm. struggle for all of us, especially like you said, who are overachievers who were like, we want to get the most out of every second Mm. of every single thing. And Christmas tends to want to bring that out in us, especially if we're moms and we want to get together with everybody and go to all the parties and all the things. So yeah, it is a very real struggle right now. 
So but definitely. you, you took yourself to a place where frankly, I, I've been there too, but I'd love to hear your story. Cause you took yourself to a place where you just were like, okay, no more. Can you share mm. with us your journey? Yeah. With that? You know what? It wasn't me taking me to that place. It oh. was God taking me, unfortunately. <laughs> and he didn't take me in a way that I was very happy about, but guess what? It's like most of those times when he takes us to those places, it's because he's been whispering for years mm -hmm. and we've just been like, la, 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 la. And that mm -hmm. was the same thing with this. So yeah, I had been pushing myself pretty much my whole life, honestly, and had this idea of like, I have to be the best. I have to achieve. I have to work hard. And I was in a season where I had had just 10 plus years of being a mom of, of homeschooling my kids, of staying up too late, of working online. And I had gotten myself into a pattern for at least a good 10 years where I was sleeping maybe four hours a night. Uh -huh. I was not tired when I went to bed. I was not I mean, I was not tired when I woke up. I was just like, yeah. I was had a really time falling asleep and a hard time waking up. I was just yeah. so driven. And people would say like, you have so much going, like what's wrong? And I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I felt that conviction of like, mm, are you sure? Like, are you sure mm. this is good? And I was like, no, I'm fine. I got to go out, you know, but it was, I can explain more about some of the things that I think were driving me yeah. to that in a second. But what happened was I was, we were about to go on a missions trip every year. Our, our kids and I go down with the church to Mexico on this really great missions trip. And we were about a week out and I started getting these headaches and I don't normally get headaches, but I was like, okay, that's a pretty good headache, but whatever, whatever. Take an aspirin, Alicia, keep going. Right. Like, cause you're like, I got stuff to do. I got whatever, take an aspirin, move along. And so that's what I did. But then the, the headaches kept getting worse and worse and nothing was touching these mm. headaches and got down to Mexico. And I was like, at a point where I was asking any other of the leaders around, I'm like, do you have any headache medicine? Cause I am in so much pain. And they're like, mm. okay. So I was trying all these things. I was doing natural herbs, all these things. Finally at 2 AM one morning, I woke up, I was in so much pain. I went outside and I just was like trying to just sit in the air and trying to catch my, my thoughts. Cause I couldn't sleep. And I very distinctly heard God say, you need to go home and you need to go home right now. Hmm. Like, this is not a choice go home yeah. now. And it was like, oh, God, like I have this Bible study I'm teaching who's going to cover that. And I have, my kids are here. One of them for the first time. Like, how do I, how do I do that? And it was like, go home now. And you know, you need to go home. So first thing in the morning, I went to the leaders and he's like, of course, of course, like we'll cover it. And somebody drove me to the border and it was a Saturday. So, which was again, God's timing, because on a Saturday, if you have to go to the doctor, where do you go? You go to the ER pretty much. Right. Cause it's like, what else? And I wasn't going to wait till Monday. I was in so much pain. They took me in there. They did a CAT scan and they're like, yeah, you have a vertebral artery dissection and you need to go immediately to this specialty hospital. You're at a high risk for a stroke. What in the world have you been doing with your, like the injury mm -hmm. that you have in your neck is akin to somebody who has been doing extreme sports or has been in a car accident. Mm -hmm. So basically a vertebral artery dissection is, um, we have the vertebral arteries that run through the back of our neck. And if you know what, what an aneurysm is, an aneurysm mm -hmm. is when the artery expands out and explodes the dissection is when the inner lining of an artery separates from the outer lining and okay. begins to collapse the artery and blood clots begin to form on the outside. And obviously it compresses the amount of blood that's going through. So being that this was happening at like C1 to C3 in the back of my neck, it was pretty severe. Like it's right there where your brain is. Hello, Alicia, this is a very severe thing. And 
So there's really nothing they can do, which is another joyous thing when this happens to you, because there's nothing you can do, but write it out and be on extremely high levels of blood thinners, because of course they don't want you to have a stroke. So I had had several mini strokes when I was at this, they took me to the hospital. I had several of these little mini strokes. There was no lasting effect, praise God. So I can't, they don't call it a stroke unless you have lasting effect. Okay. So praise God, I didn't have any lasting effects because it was very scary. But in that time of being in the hospital, God just basically said to me, you know why you're here? Because the doctors were like, we don't understand what's going on. Why were you, what were you, you know, were you doing bungee jumping? Were you, you know, head banging? I mean, all these things. I'm like, I'm a mom. Like I was on a missions trip. I was not doing extreme sports in Mexico. I promise, you know? And, um, but God was like, you know why you're here. You've been pushing yourself. You, mm-hmm. I've sent you warning sign after warning sign and you've not listened. And this is your second chance. There will not be a third chance. This is your second chance, Alicia. And I was like, okay. And so again, I was sent home. Um, I spent the next eight months literally on my back because I could not do anything. I couldn't even put my hair up. I was in that much pain. I couldn't take a shower without, well, I couldn't wash my hair for a long time without really causing a whole headache for the rest of the day. Um, but I couldn't homeschool my kids. I couldn't make any food. I couldn't do anything. Everyone had to come in and take over everything in my life. And God just, again, we're taking everything away from you and you're going to have to just deal with this Alicia. So as I sat there and began to heal, I was confronted with, okay, yes, God, I need to change. And I understand I need to start beginning adding little layers in my life of change, but really it was like, I know the answer isn't just, oh, sleep more, Alicia, or just Mm -hmm. take this out of your life. It's like, what is causing you to feel like you have to live like this? There's something going on inside. That's what we need to talk about. And so I had some very difficult, real journaling moments with God, so to speak, Mm -hmm. where I was like, what is going on? What's causing this? And that's when I began learning more and began, became certified as a neuro coach, uh, began that process at least. Um, which is understanding the thought processes that are happening on a subconscious level that run the show of our actions. And so for me, those processes had been my whole life that I have to achieve, I have to perform, I have to hustle, I have to be number one in order to feel worthy, in order to feel enough, in order to feel loved. Now, again, I had been to church for 20 years. I became a Christian when I was 19. I had known that God said I was enough. I had known all of those truths. What in the world was going on that I was knowing it on a cognitive level, but not operating from it. That was the problem. And that was the subconscious programming that I needed to get to the root of and rewire. That's what the neuro coaching process is about. And that's what I do now with, with women. And so that was the beginning of the process for me and really again, God had to wake me up in kind of a radical way to get my attention, but yeah, that's how it all started for me as understanding that. Wow. Yeah. I love what you said about, it's not just about sleeping more because really for, for the person who has a hard time resting. And I mean, I really, I think most of my listeners probably relate more to the drive to perfection and the overwork. I'm going to, maybe, well, like you said, it's subconscious, right? Like I'm going to prove to you that I am good enough. Mm -hmm. I am going to, if you're going to give me a task, I'm not just going to do it 
well, I'm going to do it awesome enough that you're going to be talking about it for a couple of weeks. Like I don't do things halfway, you know, like all of those things. Right. So all of that is in there driving these behaviors. And so to say, Hey, just go to bed an hour earlier. Like, yeah, if I go to bed an hour earlier, I'm just going to lay there and think about all the things I need to do better. Exactly. (laughs) No, Heather, that's so true. It's so true. And that's like still work. I mean, resting is the hardest work I do. Absolutely. Because I had to learn to create new rhythms in my life after I'd learned how to rewire all of this. I mean, I just like, so I'm saying, I don't think just create some new rhythms of rest in your life is the answer Yeah, because you're still chopping off the weed at the leaves versus getting to the root. You're not addressing what's really causing the behavior. That's what brain science and scripture says is if you want to change the action, you have to go all the way back to the thought. That's literally what we see in science. Is it happening? Everything is driven by these subconscious thoughts. So yeah, it's, it's hard. And I didn't really believe that because I'm like, that's why I wouldn't commit to a a program where I was like, Oh, I'll just sleep more because I'm like, but I feel really good when I finish things. I feel really good when I can check things off my to-do list, when I can show up and like you said, give my best and do all those things. And I feel like this, that's the balance is God has given us these desires to do these things and to be, to, to be excellent at what we want to do. And yet there's a difference of, of being excellent for a definition of my worth versus being excellent and working from the the foundation of I'm already worthy enough and loved. And those are the three questions that are driving all of these identity issues of why we're doing these things. So I had to get to the root of all of that first. Oh, Hey there, Heather here. I want to tell you about my book, the burden of better friends. It is exactly what you need to read if you've ever struggled for one second with comparison. But let me tell you how it's different. This isn't the same old book of cliches about how you need to stop comparing because it's stealing your joy. No, this book is a deep dive into God's grace. And together on the podcast at the end of February, we're going to dig in deep. I'm going to be talking about the book in four separate episodes next month. So what I hope is that you will grab your own copy of the book so you can follow along with me and you can send me your questions as you read so I can tackle them in these podcast episodes. So grab the book, The Burden of Better, wherever Christian books are sold and be a part of what we're doing at the end of February going through the book together. I'm giggling in that, like the truth has been revealed. (laughs) It would would not be helpful to do a show on, you know, Hey, make sure, you know, you are getting your 10 hours a night and drinking your water, whatever, you know, like, like we, we need to go deeper. And so, yeah, so that's, that's why I'm sitting here with this big old smile from ear to ear. Cause I'm like, okay, yep, this is where we're supposed to go. So, yeah. So I mean, where do we start? Right. Like, you know, okay. If you're not going to just give me the five and and, well, frankly, right. People like us, we like, like, if you just give me a checklist and I'll just leave with my checklist, then I'll know what to do (laughs) and I'll follow your rules. And then my life will be good. Um, So so it's very difficult for people like me. I'm, I won't, I won't care characterize you unless you want to be characterized. No, no, I'm right in there with you with all of this. Yes. So it's like, so how do we, uh, you know, where to, where to begin? If you're not going to give me a checklist, where do I begin? 
Yeah, that's great. And I think that, like you said, this is a place to start and where we need to keep coming back to if we really want change, because your listeners are like you and I, and that we know we're supposed to sleep more. We know we're supposed to drink more water. Why, why am I not doing it? That's the question. That's what we got to get to the root of. And so that is what the focus of the brain science work and always scripture that goes along with it kind of work because the why behind the behavior is the important focus. So in order to know what the why is, there's not shockingly a five-step process to know what the why is because that why was put into there for several different reasons for all of us. But we can talk about what the first thing to do to begin to notice why the why is there, which is seeing the patterns, seeing what is going on. What am I, what am I getting by continuing to do Mm. these behaviors? What am I, because on a biological, very primal level, everything we do, the brain does at least is Mm. to move towards pleasure and move away from pain. Mm -hmm. So if I am saying, well, I know that it will make me feel better if I sleep more, but I'm not, what am I getting by not sleeping? That's causing me to stay stuck in this. And we look at this, not from, this is so important, not from a, I'm so bad. I know better. Why don't Mm -hmm. I do that? We're not looking at it from that perspective. We can't, we have to look at it from compassion, from curiosity, from just like, huh, that's interesting. So I wonder why that's going on. Yeah. And not judging ourselves because that's where we instantly will shut down because then we're like, okay, so here's what I'm going to do then instead I'm going to do it. It's like, just sit there and see what is really going on. What is that, that acknowledgement that we need to have of some sort of pain or fear that's running the show here really. And sometimes that involves grief or surrender or ownership. Like there's so many things that have yeah. to come in that place. Well, yeah. I mean, and that kind of fits with some of what I researched for the burden of better mm. because really comparison is a way we try to keep ourselves safe, right? Yes, exactly. Because yeah. I'm constantly looking around. Am I okay? Am I okay? Okay. Ooh, compared to her, I'm okay. I'm doing fine. Okay. Oh, compared to her. Oh, I'm not okay anymore. Okay. I got to do better in that area, <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and yeah. so, so there is, there is a, um, a default mode, if you will, involved in comparison in terms of like, it's what our brain does, but, um, but this doesn't mean we have to stay there. (laughs) Right. And so I I do think, I do think that's, um, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it all. Thank you for listening to this episode. That is part of the spark media network that can now be heard on the edify app. If we think about the four responses that we typically have to pain and fear, which are fight, Mm -hmm. flight, which we're pretty familiar with those two, but the other ones are freeze Mm -hmm. and fawn. And so fight or flight is again, fighting against something by maybe overcompensating, over-researching, over-getting the answers. Uh, Flight would be doing usually coping mechanism behaviors like binge eating or like workaholism perfectionism can be, can be either or fight or flight, depending on how you look at it, but freeze behaviors are huge too. Like we get stuck in this 
well, I don't really know the answer. So I'm just going to stay stuck here and keep asking questions and try to analyze it to death until it's like, just, but we're trying to keep ourselves safe. That's the whole point Mm -hmm. of it. Again, we're trying to not make a mistake. We're trying to not, because it would hurt to make that mistake before. So, um, and then the fawn aspect is people pleasing. It's doing whatever it takes to keep the peace, to look like her, even comparison can maybe fit into that. Just whatever it takes, just, I have to, to, and all of these are ways that we, the brain learns on a level. That's not an awareness level of us. It's not a, a cognitive level we're learning how to respond to this pain. And so we're going to keep doing those behaviors and we're going to keep repeating them if we don't change the reason why they're there. And we have to understand again, that they're, they're happening, not because we're wrong. It can't change something. We're broken. And we've been this way our whole lives. That's happening because that's just the patterning has been set up inside of us. So we have to understand that it makes sense why we're going towards these behaviors, because that's just what's been in there all this time. Right. Right. And so kind of to the fawn thing. Yeah. Although I don't, I, I don't know. I might be able to make a case that this could work in any, any of the responses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when we have body image issues, mm-hmm. a lot of the times there is that parent, grandparent, mm-hmm. boyfriend ex-husband or or current husband even, um, whose approval is Mm. making us feel like we have to stay in that. Oh, if I don't weigh this amount, I'm going to get this criticism. Mm. Oh, if I don't look like this, I'm going to get this criticism. And it very much feels like an unsafe situation Yeah. at at a minimum, a situation you want to avoid, right? At a maximum, like this is going to cause punishment or pain for me. Um, you know, especially in the case where, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a a kid that's actually getting disciplined for, for, you Mm. know, not, like eating the way mom wants you to eat or dad wants you to eat or whatever, or, or the wife who, you know, the husband puts on her that he's looking at porn because of the way she Mm. looks or whatever. So, so there's, there's this very real fear connected to these issues that I think can, again, in your brain subconsciously, like you're fighting that fear by like, okay, must worry about my body all the time, because this is what is going to keep me safe. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, I think that that that's a perfect, huge segue into, you know, into what my, my group, what my peeps, what we deal with the body image stuff is, is recognizing that, yeah, this, this all goes together. Like we need Mm -hmm. the rest in mm-hmm. even in the arena of like not riddling over our body size all day long, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like that's that's a very real kind of rest that can come. And you know, and in Burn It Better, I talk about you know how we our bodies are an insufficient shelter, right? Like we think mm-hmm. we can be safe if we look a certain way because that's kind of what the criticism and and the culture have told us, right? But reality yeah. is you can get that look and still not be safe, especially, yes. you know, a lot of those yes. voices that are criticizing you aren't going to stop criticizing you once you, <laughs> once you get exactly. the weight, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, so I don't, that's, that's, that's good stuff. Okay. So we need, mm. we need to understand it. Any, what else? I, I don't even really know what question. Yeah. Ask you next. No, what, I'd like, what's the next I wanted, place to go? I wanted to go back to what you were saying a second ago about yeah. that weird place that we get put in sometimes. Like mm. you said, like a husband who says, well, I look at porn because you don't look a certain way. 
And that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're like, well, then I have to look a certain way or you're going to be doing this behavior. Mm -hmm. There's pain on either side of that. Right. Either I, you know, diminish my view of myself and, and put myself on this treadmill and beat myself up to look a certain way. And then you're happy, hopefully, or then, yeah. so there's, there's not an answer, but I guess it's, it's important to look at those as an acknowledgement of why we do what we're doing and why we're comparing, why we're continuing to stay on these other, like you said, habits, why are we doing that? That's the first part of healing is understanding why it's there. I mean, the, the, the idea of getting healing in that has to also come from, well, it sounds like the husband needs some healing and you need some healing in the marriage. Like there's that, that needs to happen. Right. Right. Um, but we try to, again, in in keeping ourselves safe and just like, okay, I'll just take it on me. I'll just deal with it myself. Like, I don't want to upset everybody. So yes, I will make the casserole again this year, even though I don't want to, and whatever dumb, sometimes it's dumb, but sometimes it's not so dumb, whatever things that we do, like for family events (laughs) or like, okay, sure. I will be the PTA mom. (laughs) <laughs> Even though I really have a thousand other things I'd rather be doing right now, or, oh, sure. I'll be, I'll serve in children's ministry, even though I really am like taxed already from being with my own kids all day. And I would much rather do that. <laughs> so we do stuff like that. Uh-huh. Right. We're like, but it's better than dealing with the disapproval of someone else right. or the drama at Christmas time, because why did that happen? You know? Right. So it's important just to, to notice that's why we do it and mm-hmm. operating going back to rest, like we have to notice that when there is that peace inside of us with God, like I am worthy, I am enough, I am loved, that's solved, that's Mm -hmm. solved with God. We respond very differently to people because it's like my success, my identity has been defined. I don't need, I'm not operating from the fear of it not being a certain way anymore. It's solid. And that's something God has has taught me a lot about this year specifically is the idea of success. I'm successful no matter what the outcome is. I'm successful when I obey God, period. Mm -hmm. If I obey him, then that's it. He's going to take care of whatever happens, comes from it, whatever doesn't come from it. That's not my responsibility. That's not how I'm going to identify as being good enough or not good enough. It's if I, if I obeyed what God told me to do, then that's it. I'm done. I'm successful. And so that just has freed me to be like, well, God, if you're calling me to this, then I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what the results are. It doesn't matter what happens, what other people say, this is what you've called me to do. And so I'm successful anyway. I think resting and operating from that perspective has made a big difference in me and, and also given me the ability to say no, to actually take in rest because I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm honoring, I'm bringing myself to the table. I mentioned, I talked to a counselor at one point and, um, she's like, it sounds like you're not bringing even your emotional self at all to the table. Like you think about everybody else's emotions and everybody else's stuff, but maybe she needs to come to the table too. Mm-hmm. Not that she's the ruler, right. But she right. needs to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. And so that in itself, when we can say, Hey, I, I need to show up rested so I can be the best me when that starts happening, then that changes a lot of other things in well, terms of our responses to people. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, because the problem is, like you said, the problem is the definition of success, Yeah. but, but then the, 
closely connected to that, right, is when we want to be the best, like, well, and this, is, this is really the premise of the burden of better, right? The comparisons ladder has no top rung. When we want to be the best, there is no way that we can measure that, right? And so it's a nonstop treadmill. You never yeah. arrive there. And so there's this like carrot at the end of the stick, like dangling there, like we're, we're horses, like, Ooh, that looks good. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. Right. And, and that's probably the worst analogy I could ever use. It's pro- I don't, the carrot at the end of the stick yeah. is the cliche, <laughs> but it's like, no one yes. cares. Like chocolate at the end of a stick, maybe yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. going to follow it, yeah. but not the carrot. You got <laughs> but <it>. anyway, but, <laughs> but the, the, the lucrative thing, the shiny thing right. in front of my face right. is really the promise of rest. After mm-hmm. I get that shiny thing, you know, and I mean, I, I don't know, like I, I wrote about this after I wrote about this in the burden of better too, but like, after I published a book, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to publish a book. <sighs> then I'll just be able to rest and be so happy that mm. I have this accomplishment, you know? And I'm like in tears the day after it comes out. Cause I'm like, oh, I didn't fix anything. I don't think I want to do this uh, anymore. You know? Yes, and, but I mean, exactly. it's the same for the woman who struggles with like, oh, if I could just have that body and then she right. gets the body right. and it's like, oh, it's still not enough. Or if I could just have oh, that title, gosh. you know, I mean, how many executives like all their lives wanted to have that, you know, executive title or, you know, that Mm -hmm. level of responsibility and they get there and they're just like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I still don't feel anything. I mean, I just heard a quote recently and it was like, if you really want to, to experience depression, get Mm -hmm. everything you ever hoped you thought or hoped or thought you wanted or needed. And once you get it all, then you're going to experience a level of depression, like never before, (laughs) because you're going to realize it's so true. And so it's, you know, it's, it's interesting, but it, it is that rest we crave, but unless, mm-hmm. like you said, we're defining success correctly, mm-hmm. like there's no rest, right? right. All it these magnifies it. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about, as you're talking, there's a book that I just finished. It's a fiction book. And it was talking about one of the characters, she and her husband won the lottery unexpectedly, mm-hmm. obviously it's usually unexpected, but it was like $27 million yeah. or something. And they, she had up to that point been, she was a young woman and she had been consumed with her body and wanting to look good. Well, now she had the resources to do everything she could do to make her body look the way she wanted. And so she did, and she had all the plastic surgery and she basically became this like freakish version of herself. And her husband was almost, I mean, you hear his perspective and he's kind of like, I miss that old girl. Mm -hmm. Like I miss her smile. That wasn't perfect. You know, I miss that her teeth aren't super shiny and always white, you know, all the things that he's like, that's not even her anymore. And yet even in that place, she was more miserable than before. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly it. It's like, it only magnifies when we get to that destination that I've heard it been referred to as like destination sickness, you get Mm -hmm. to where you want to go. And yet you're like, this is not it. I thought it would solve my, I thought it would give me the rest. Like you said that I wanted, but it's not, it's just because that pursuit of rest, that pursuit is being found in Christ. It's being completely surrendered, okay, content in Christ. So it's like, we have to get to what is, what is that need inside of us on these deep, deep levels that has been answered in a different way than what the gospel says. Mm -hmm. And how are the behaviors that we're having stemming in a different way from that? That is when we, when we can solve that, we can operate and we can allow ourselves to rest and we can let go we can surrender more easily when that's yeah. been answered. Yeah. 
That's good. Okay. So tell me just like, how does it work being a, you had a really fun title, something mindset coach, but there's another M oh, in there. Neuro coach. No, no I thought, oh. you, what do you mindset makeover coach mindset that? makeover? Yeah. That's oh, what I was okay. Um, everyone <laughs> loves a makeover. Come on. Yeah. Um, oh, this yes. is my crowd here before and after pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, so how does that work? Just tell us a little bit about mm. like what it's like what, when someone decides to work with you, how do you help them? Yeah, no, thank you. It's a great question. It is a makeover. <laughs> I love that. And that's why I called it that because, um, it is a, the, the process I'm referring to is the Christian mindset makeover. That is a nine week course okay. that I teach. That is nine nine weeks of going through this very specific process called the thought transformation method that we use. So we're the focus of all of that is brain priming and brain priming is the biggest, biggest place that I've found transformation in working with other women and in my own life. And that is that neurological process of removing the old toxic patterns again on a neurological level and replacing it with a new soundtrack. And that takes about 63 to 67 days to go from the part of, of literally pruning away the old neurons and adding in the new soundtrack. And the reason why it's important to do that whole process is because if we just say affirmations or just read enough scriptures, those are powerful, but it's like having two tapes playing at the same time. Yeah. If we don't remove the old tape, we're just having a lot more noise in our head and we're battling back and forth. And that's what a lot of us are doing. We're not removing it and putting it in there. So the first five weeks of that makeover are really learning about what is that really, really, really core soundtrack that I've been believing yeah. and, and looking at it, not again from shame or condemnation, but saying, this is where I'm at. This is what I've allowed myself to believe. And I can see how all these other things have been stemming from it. We look at it from, you know, some things we have to surrender, some things we have to take ownership of. Some things are our fault. Some things aren't our faults. And where, how does God relate into all of that? You know, so we were always talking about that, but so at week five, we create this brain priming script and begin the brain priming process. And then the rest of the time is spent understanding how can we keep this process strong? How can we put up those boundaries? How can we deal with in the moment emotions? How do we deal with these things moving forward? And it's such an interesting process because when you do that deep transformational work, sometimes you think, is are things really changing? Like, I don't know, but then you get put back in a situation where before you would have responded with one of those fight, flight, freeze, or fawn behaviors much more easily. And you're like, I'm not doing that. No, no, that's not what I, you know, yeah. like that happened to me recently with, um, something at a family event. It was like, um, something I was expected to do something. I'll just put it with you like that. And in the past, I would have been like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. No problem. Like whatever. And then been like, doing this, you know, kind of a thing. But this time I was like, no, I love you, but that's not okay. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. And so my other family members were like, what? Don't you say that? No, wait, don't you say that? And I was like, I'm, I'm okay saying that. Uh -huh. I can still love that person, but this yeah. is, this is, you know, because I felt again, it wasn't just me propping myself up in the moment. It was like, no, I'm okay. I, I need to res respect and protect this part of me that yeah. is now different. I am yeah. different. I'm operating from a different soundtrack than I was even six, nine months ago, because it's just continuing to be strengthened in me the more I practice it. So that's the process of the makeover. Um, we, have a workshop that explains a little bit more about renewing the mind okay. and, and how to renew your thoughts. 
um, how to transform your thoughts to transform your life. Because again, as we explained, it goes from the, the thoughts and the emotions combined to create a belief. Belief creates the decision. Decision creates the action. Action creates the result. That's how it works in the brain. So we talk more about that process and more about the Christian mindset makeover at this free workshop. That is vibrantchristianliving.com forward slash mind. So you can go there and learn more about all of the stuff that we've been talking about and get a kind of a glimpse as to what we talk about in the course and why it's so different. I think the best thing about this whole process is that it, it, there's voices that share about how to renew our mind. That's not a new concept maybe in the church, but there's not a lot of combination with that, with the knowledge of our brain with it. So when we understand both, it really does make a huge, huge difference to transform inside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I totally agree. We are, our church, our pastor did a series a number of years ago now, um, on joy and talking about how the, Mm. the brain science, um, just matched up perfectly with scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, why does scripture tell us over and over again to, you know, rejoice or, you know, be joyful always. Right. And how that just matched up perfectly with the brain science. So I I think, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I love watching it all come together. I mean, Mm -hmm. God created our bodies. It's amazing that we have the technology we have to discover them and the way they work. Yes. So I think, I think that's, yeah. that's great. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank and you. I'll put the links to all your things in, um, in the show notes. You want to just say your website one more time? Yeah, it's vibrantchristianliving.com. So yeah, the workshop is there. Any other free resources that I have that you can all find that there, podcast episodes, things like that too. So thank you for that. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Compared to You podcast, part of the Spark Media Network, now available on the Edify Podcast Network. For more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, head over to edify.app or search the Edify app in the Apple or Google Play stores. Oh, hey there, before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to compare to who.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at compare to who.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can take the free body image quiz. You can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration, and I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? 
I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.